Well, as you heard the music right at the start there, it's been a very patriotic week and certainly one filled with a lot of historical significance. Hello, my friends. I am Blaine the Brain, and you are listening to a new edition of the Royal Ramble on this hot July Sunday afternoon. Not only did both us in Canada and our neighbors to the south in the U.S. celebrate birthdays this past week, but the UFC also celebrated its 290th anniversary on pay-per-view just last night, and it was a good one. Of course, it's pretty easy to get to 290 when you have a birthday every month, but nonetheless, it's still a pretty big milestone, and I'll get into my review in just a little bit. Firstly, I wanted to talk about some of the action that took place over the last week. The WWE put on a really good Money in the Bank premium live event last weekend, but I think the most important element coming out of every big event is how they follow it up. I'm not so much a fan of the Money in the Bank concept, not anymore anyway, I liked it when it was first introduced, but much like Hell in a Cell and War Games, it doesn't seem to contain an elite group of talent anymore, and it doesn't feel as special to be in one, because firstly, they do it every year, and they have two of them. And also, as we've seen in the past, most people who have won the briefcase have either been cash-in failures, or have a brief 15 seconds of fame before going right back to where they started. And what's even more mind-boggling is the idea that you can cash it in for any title now, not just the world titles, making the match seem even less significant. But I do like what they've done this year, in that both briefcase winners seem to have a long-term story to tell. The stories are kind of identical, but it makes sense that the briefcases would be used to cause some tension within their respective factions, and we've already seen a bit of that, as there were a couple of cash-in teases this week on both Raw and SmackDown, furthering the story of jealousy between Priest and Balor on the men's side, and also teasing something between Bailey and Io for the women. We also got the turn of Shayna Baszler, which, while it did come out of nowhere, it still made a lot of sense, as Baszler has always been positioned as the sidekick of Ronda Rousey, even though she's the more experienced of the two, from the UFC and now in WWE. I just didn't like the way it was executed. I think they could have teased it a little more, but given the circumstances, it is understandable why they would have rushed the angle, because Rousey has basically given them a timeline for her departure, which could be sooner rather than later, and if the rumors are true, she could be on her way back home to the UFC in due time. I'm not so sure I like the idea of Rousey being the babyface in this feud, but she's certainly the more well-known of the two. However, Shayna hasn't yet had an opportunity to prove herself as a babyface, so that could have been interesting. I think this angle will be more to write Rousey out of WWE, and then Shayna kind of takes her place as the top badass in the company. That's definitely a match that you want to have on a larger stage, and if not at WrestleMania, then SummerSlam would be the time to do it. Speaking of larger stages, I've seen a lot of criticism, mostly from Bob Kapoor, about AEW giving away bigger matches on free TV with little to no build-up. We saw a great tag match on Collision last night between FTR and Bullet Club Gold, which will continue with a 2 out of 3 falls match next week. I'm hoping that they're able to actually extend this feud until All In, maybe do a best of 7 series between the two teams, which culminates in a stip match at the pay-per-view. But the one match that Bob was referring to was the semi-finals of the Owen Hart tournament between CM Punk and Samoa Joe. There is a lot of history there, and I have to give Tony Khan his props for airing some of that footage in the weeks leading up to the match. While I agree that it should have been on a grander scale, I think timing may have been the issue here. And plus, I'm fine with one of those guys not making the final two because both are established stars, whereas someone like Ricky Starks could use the rub. But it doesn't look like that feud is one and done anyway based on the aftermath, so they've certainly planted the seeds for something later on, perhaps at the ROH pay-per-view coming up. 
The WWE has definitely been planting their own seeds for things to come, and one thing that I absolutely love and keeps developing every week is the bloodline implosion angle. I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get a four-way between those guys at SummerSlam, although we might still, and as of right now, it looks like we're getting Roman versus Jay one-on-one. I don't think now is the time for Jay to win the title if that's the case. What I expect to happen is similar to the Bella Twin story where Jimmy makes his miraculous return at SummerSlam and then turns on his brother to rejoin the bloodline out of jealousy. That appears to be where this may head come WrestleMania. But then the question becomes, what do you do with Roman? There's still a lot of time between now and Mania, and depending on what his schedule looks like by then, if we were to get Dwayne versus Roman at any point, next year's WrestleMania might be their last chance. What I would have done as a backup is proceed with the four-way between former Bloodline members at SummerSlam, which again might still happen. You have Roman win through underhandedness, like Jimmy turns on Jay or something like that. Then you do the Uso brother feud for the rest of the year, Jay wins the Rumble and beats Roman for the title at Mania. I think that is the most logical conclusion to the story, but a lot of people are still expecting Cody to finish his story, and I'm still not sure how that story is any more important than everyone else Roman has beaten in this run. So moving along on this very short but sweet episode, the UFC had a great night of fights last night. We started with some middleweight action as Bo Nickel took on Val Woodburn. Woodburn struck early, but in the end it was Nickel who beat him to the punch. He landed a solid right hook with a follow-up left, and then just kind of swarmed on him to pick up the TKO victory. In lightweight competition, it was Jalen Turner against Dan Hooker. These guys had an all-out war. Turner looked to be winning it until he caught an accidental low blow which slowed the momentum down. Later in the fight, Hooker pounced on him with a flurry of offense. He tried to apply a rear naked choke, but Turner was saved by the buzzer to get out of the second round. Nevertheless, that may have earned Hooker the split decision. Robert Whitaker returned to the UFC up next against another top middleweight contender, Dreykus Duplessis. Duplessis made it known in this fight that he's got his eyes on the prize held by middleweight champ Israel Adesanya, who was watching on from the crowd with vested interest. Duplessis landed some big shots which dropped Whitaker to his knees, and then he attacked and secured the TKO to solidify himself as probably the number one contender at 185. The men's flyweight title was up for grabs next as Brandon Moreno defended against Alexandra Pantoja. The announcers noted that both of these guys made names for themselves on the same season of The Ultimate Fighter in 2018, so this one had a lot of history and was a long time in the making. Pantoja was a man on a mission here and controlled the action for most of the fight, although still wasn't able to put Moreno away. Despite the champion's advantage, Pantoja still did enough damage to walk away with the split decision and claim the title. Then it was the main event for the men's featherweight championship as interim champion Yair Rodriguez met the official champion Alexander Volkanovsky. It was another solid fight. Both guys brought their A-games, but in the end, it was Volkanovsky once again proving himself as the featherweight king. He scored a huge takedown near the end of the fight, and then followed up with some ground and pound to reclaim the title. So that does it for another week. I will be back next weekend to talk about Impact Slammiversary and perhaps preview the ROH pay-per-view. Until then, I leave you with an 8 bc up.